Hi guys, Lena here with uh, Living Power Ministries. Want to welcome you to another week of our podcast, uh, covering a series called uh, the One Big Idea series, where every week I take a big topic and I boil it down to one nugget of truth. Certainly not all encompassing. Do not walk away from this mean like oh, I got everything I know about this topic now. No, we're not trying to do that. We we don't even think we're coming close to that. The goal of this is simply to um, just spur one another on in the truth and to get us to think about things biblically and uh, to force uh, your minds to kind of further want to explore the riches of God's word and how it can apply to every aspect of your life. I practice ER medicine. I'm a pediatric emergency room medicine. And so my job is to take complicated ideas and boil them down into short nuggets. And so I bring that style a bit into this uh, discussion. And uh, if you love it, awesome. I've gotten some emails from you and I appreciate them. If you hate it, there's plenty of podcasts out there. We're not offended. More than anything, we'd love to hear from you if you're on your way to kind of figuring out who God is and what he wants in your life. Um, I'll tell you what he wants is a relationship with you. He wants to be in communion and relationship with you so much so that he sent Jesus to die for you. And uh, that is what motivates everything that we do at Living With Power Ministries. We uh, are so excited about the truth of what God has done for us that we um, want to let you and everyone in the world know about it and for those who share our joy i know that you listen because you're pumped about it too and, and you're just excited to to know other christians and some of you you're listening from other countries in the world and and some of you are listening from other um uh, states in the united states and i just think it's really cool that we get to be friends through this podcast so uh happy thanksgiving if you live in the united states this week you're going to be listening to this podcast i think we're timing it around thanksgiving weeks so much to be grateful for uh sit down take a minute make a list of the things that you're grateful for and if you're like, man, it's been such a horrible year, I can't even make a list, then you're not thinking hard enough. Go back to the blocks, buy a new journal, and open God's Word, start reading in the Psalms, and, and, and just, just be grateful for His Word and for the freedom that we have to read it. And just so much to be thankful for. I'm mostly thankful for life in Christ uh, and uh, the fact that this world is not all there is, that we have eternity to look forward to. So, on that note, let's talk about leadership. Uh, the big idea on leadership is this. Leadership is a God-given gift. Leadership is a God-given gift, and godly leadership excels under the leadership of God. You like how I did that? I'm going to read it again. Leadership is a God-given gift, and godly leadership excels under the leadership of God. I sort of want to use, I guess in a way, I was thinking about two leaders came to mind as I was thinking about this conversation. and One is Moses, and another is Nehemiah. And I want to kind of explore a bit of this concept of leadership. Uh, you, you obviously know there's so much written about leadership. People have built careers on leadership, and I, so many people have done that. Uh, I got an MBA from Kellogg School of Management, ooh, and they do a whole track of leadership. And uh, despite how much you can learn and read about leadership, isn't it true that when you're in the middle of it, in the thick of it, Sometimes it's like, you're just like, what in the world am I doing? And if you're a leader, you understand that. And, and so this concept of leadership of God is huge for me. It's just, it's just huge. And so let me just give you a few thoughts. First of all, um, leadership is a gift, you know, and I'm going to get into some alliteration. I like using words that start with the same letter. So the first is going to be like, it's chosen, you're chosen by God if you're a leader. And I, I say this not as a, oh, you're so special, you're chosen by God, but but it's a calling, it's a gift. God talks about, in the New Testament, Paul tells us about the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us when we become children of God through salvation. And, and those gifts include the gift of leadership. And so there's nothing special about the gift of leadership. We have made it 
I think we in our culture and society, we look up to leaders. They're leaders. We're following leaders. And so, so there's an understanding of, of that. I mean, you can logically understand why we'd look up to them. But somehow we have elevated leaders to a pedestal and we expect more of them. And we forget that ultimately they too are following the Lord. We're all members of one family. And, um, and I think the leaders in this, in this specifically Christian leaderships, which in the context of the church, they are held to a much higher standard. And the word of God is clear about that. So, you know, we've seen all sorts of leaders in the last decade in the United States, good leaders and bad leaders. And, and, and know that as long as God is our main leader, who he is, he cannot, I mean, he is the leader, then we don't have to fear. But leadership is a gift. We can't take away from that, that it's a gift that God gives. I don't know why God chose Abraham out of all the people in the world. I don't know why he chose Moses out of all the people in the world to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. I don't know why he chose Nehemiah. But I do know that there was in each of these men a burden. And by the way, women have been called to leadership as well. This is not a male-only gift. Uh, but but uh, Moses and Nehemiah were two that came to mind. I just snuck in Abraham. But uh, Sarah was a leader in many ways, too. I mean, she's listed as an example of many things in the New Testament. But anyway, there we, I don't want to get into a male-female discussion. I just want to talk about leadership. And so Nehemiah, man, a lot, I don't know why God chose him to be the one, but he developed a vision. And, and, and so he was called by God to, to, to lead people. He was called by God to go before, to carry this vision forward of restoring um, the walls of Jerusalem. But, but, but listen, here's a second aspect of leadership. You're concerned with people. And man, we see that so heavily in the story of Nehemiah, where he's concerned with the people of God, and and that is what motivates him. And, and Moses was concerned with the people of God. Sometimes he was frustrated with them, but there was a love for the people of God. And, and if you are a leader, a godly leader, you cannot be in leadership if you do not like and love people. It is a, it, God's heart is people. He this is his economy. He loves people. He gave himself for people. He he, he all of the world and the universe revolves around. People coming to know God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you're a leader, you've got to develop a concern with people. That is how, if you're like, man, I really want the gift of leadership, start by loving people. Learn to love people. And the way to love people is to serve them. And, of course, I'll talk more about servant leadership in a bit. So these are not coincidental things. God calls leaders. Leaders must be concerned with people. I uh, 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 want to give you another thought here. Let me see. Um... Ah, communion. I couldn't read my handwriting for a second. I'm sorry. Leaders must be in communion with God. It has to be an ongoing conversation between leaders and God. If you are a leader and you want to... Like, remember, let me rephrase my... Or restate my, my big idea. Leadership is a God-given gift and godly leadership excels under the leadership of God. Well... How can you know the leadership of God if you're not talking to God? And the way we talk to God is through prayer. The way we hear from God is through His Word. You know, we sometimes go, you know, we get a little bit cynical about, you know, read your Bible, pray every day. That's the answer to every life problem. But it is. I, I mean, we used to joke, I used to be a camp counselor back when I was a teenager. And, 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 and we, we were so new to helping people. And, and so we'd get these campers with issues. And our, our camp leaders were always taught us, like, you know, the worst case scenario, I always tell them, read your Bible and pray every day. And so we used to joke about that. Like, you know, and obviously there's more to counseling than that. But we are teenagers and we cut us a little slack. But, but anyway, but, but this element of communion with God has to be a part of a leader's psyche and character and being and day-by-day discipline and practice. So let me ask you a question. If God has given you the gift of leadership, are you concerned with people and do you commune with God daily? Are you asking God for vision? We're told in Proverbs, without vision, the people perish. You said, where does vision come from? God gives vision. 
You open your eyes and you ask God, God, right now I'm, I'm praying that very thing in my life. God, God, who do you want me to serve and where do you want me to serve them? Um, and, and I think, you know, in the United States, I've heard this said before in American culture that a leader is someone who has followers. Have you ever heard that before? I don't think that's always true. I think there are times where a leader might not look like a leader. You might not look like you have followers. But that doesn't mean that you don't have the gift of leadership. It's just not time. God hasn't called you to your action part of leadership yet. I think about Moses. What a great example of that. For 40 years, he was in the wilderness. Man, Moses is one of the strongest leaders who ever lived on the face of the earth. And for 40 years, he had a bunch of sheep following him. He did not look like a leader. And... Uh, would have been easy to write him off and be like, man, this guy's not a leader. He's a loser. He's sitting out in the backwoods of the wilderness somewhere. And yet the hiddenness of God in the times in the wilderness is what prepared him for the manifestation of God after he came out of that experience. Of course, the burning bush and all of the, you know, the post-burning bush life of Moses where he was finally able, having been in communion with God. I mean, remember Moses had, where did the burning bush happen? That was at the mountain of God. If you go back to Exodus chapter 2 and and, and 3, and, and you'll see that that interaction happened. Moses was daily going to the, on a regular basis, camping out at the mountain of God, maybe waiting to hear what God had to say, maybe still looking back and wondering, God, I thought I had the gift of leadership, and all these years I've been out here with the sheep. And I don't know. I don't know if that was his case. I think, honestly, he had become so... I don't know, I think, not cynical maybe, but resigned. That's the word I'm looking for. I mean, because when God did call him, he was like, who, me? I'm not going anywhere. I'm done. And and I, I don't think he had a, I think he got to the place where his dream and his calling and his his idea of leadership looked so dead and crucified that, that, that there was no way that it could be revived outside of the Lord. And you know, sometimes this is what has to happen in our leadership, I find. You know, I, I remember years ago when I felt like God had called me to some things and I was so gung-ho and... Sometimes I still have that burning desire in my heart for the things that God has wired me towards and, 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 and for the people of God and the word of God to be proclaimed and all of those things that, that God has put in my heart. And but, but, you know, sometimes when things don't happen in the way that you want it to and, and you start reading the, you know, the strategies of leadership and you see, man, I'm, I'm, my pace hasn't been at the same pace that I think it should be and, and my results haven't been the same. It's easy to just get discouraged. And, and there comes a point, though, where you have to understand that some of that, God is trying to crucify your selfish ambitions and the desires of the flesh. And uh, it might take 40 years like Moses did, or it might be shorter. I don't know. I pray that we're on the short track, you and I, because it can be hard waiting for the Lord and, 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 and kind of being patient in times of delays. But but whether God shows up today or in 40 years, I'll tell you what, he's using this time. Let's use this time to commune with God, to be in fellowship with God, to hear from God, to ask God to give us vision and eyes to see. My friend Chris Kane, you know, it's funny. She tells the story of how she developed this whole passion for, you know, developing the ministry of 821, which is the goal of the ministry is huge. It's to abolish injustice in the 21st century. And, and, and I mean, I, I remember that she was, I think she tells the story in several of her books, and basically she was like landed in Greece after an overnight flight. She looks at a poster and and just get, is captured by these girls who had been sex trafficked and developed a burden for them. Reminds me of Nehemiah. Just developed a burden for the people of God and, and started praying and asking God to show her what she could do. And, and now, 10, 12 years later, she's got a multi-million dollar organization God is using to proclaim his name, to lift himself up, to, to free the people from darkness, the women who are 
taken captive to free them from darkness. I mean, it's incredible what God has done. And how did it start? It's with her communing with God and asking God, God, what can I do? Can you give me a vision? What do you want me to see beyond this poster on a wall? I would have walked by that poster a million times and not had that vision. But remember, a leader is called by God, chosen by God, concerned with people, in communion with God, and it has the character of God. You know, those 40 years in the wilderness were shaping Moses. For Nehemiah, I mean, we don't know a lot about his earlier life. He was a man. Well, we do know a lot about his character. Remember, he was he was the cupbearer of the king. And, and when the king saw him sad one day, he says, man, I've never seen you sad. We know that his character was steadfast and, and rejoicing and grateful and joyful and, 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 and happy to be alive. And this is not a man who was moved by his circumstances. And so the day that he had this sad countenance, something was wrong. And so what kind of character are you aspiring for? What kind of character are you reflecting in your day-by-day life? You might not be leading in the way that you think you should be leading right now. You might not have the kind of followers that you thought you would have by now. Maybe you feel like you were in leadership and somehow you became quote-unquote disqualified or, or maybe they overlooked you. Not so much disqualified, but overlooked. And, 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 and instead of becoming bitter, why don't you just get on your knees like I've been doing and be like, God, what is it you're trying to change in me? And can you purify me? And can you strip me of the things of selfish ambition and pride and those things that stand in the way of being the kind of leader that you want me to be because remember what the big idea is leadership is a God-given gift and godly leadership excels under the leadership of God and if you can't learn to have character in the darkness of the valley and the wilderness then you're not going to excel when you're in front of a million people leading whatever it is that God has for you in your life and so um and so just, 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 just the only way to grow in character in godliness is, is to Surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit of God to be obedient and repentant of the things that you are trying to do in your own flesh and just let him do the work. I read this morning a devotional by Anne Graham Lotz about bearing fruit and it says, are you tired? I wish I saved it because I would read you the beginning of it. I could, I can see if I saved it. I'm going to look in my phone real quick here. Uh, darn it, I erased it. It was so good. Basically, she says, she was saying, are you exhausted trying to bear fruit? Like, are you tired of trying to make it happen? And, and she's like, you don't have to. See, that's the wrong strategy because, because character and fruitfulness is born out of abiding in Christ, out of communion with God. So character of God is a result of communion with God. And, and the yield of this is saying, God, you do what you want. I'm at your service. And, and you know, that's what leadership does. It puts itself under the hand of the Lord, under his leadership. And so you can trust leaders who are like that. You don't have to be afraid because you can trust that they're under the leadership of God so they're they're safe because they're following the Lord now they, they might not do it perfectly but I guarantee you that a leader who's following the Lord is quick to repent and 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 quick to admit when they're wrong and and, and to seek grace and to rely on grace and to give grace to others so may God raise us up to be those type of leaders all right what do I have what else do I have here um Called by God, chosen by God, concerned with people, communion with God, character of God, and then consistent no matter what. That kind of goes along with the character of God. Think again of the picture of Nehemiah, consistent, consistent, consistent. And, and people will recognize that in you. You're not moved by the waves. You're not double-minded. And James, it says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We don't want to be tossed about by the wind, always changing, always afraid, worried. We want to live what we believe. And... Uh, Oh, I know. I, the last one was this. It's not a pure C, but it's still close enough. Unconcerned with worldly strategies. This is huge. I could actually do a whole podcast on this. God's strategies to leadership are antithetical to the world's strategies. I'm telling you. I, I jotted down some verses here. Let me see. I have them pulled up. Um, so, so this whole concept of servant leadership, which incidentally has become quite popular even in the business schools, because I remember them talking about it at Kellogg. But 
But listen to this, Philippians 2.3, do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another more important than yourselves. All right, most people in the world agree with that. But how about this, Matthew 20.26, 20, it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. You know, Christ's example of, of leadership, he took a towel, bent in front of his disciples and washed their feet. I mean, a leader, like there's nothing you're going to ask your followers to do that you wouldn't be willing to do yourself. That moves me when I see a leader who's, John 3.30, he must increase, but I must de- decrease. That is a strong leader. That is a leader I will follow. He says, God, you're number one. You increase, I'll decrease. I don't care if my name is written in lights. I want your name written in lights. Um, go down here to, let me see here. Uh, Luke 22.26, but it is not this way with you, but the one who is the greatest among you must be like the youngest and the leader like the servant. That's powerful stuff. We I mean, can go on. And on and on. Um, how about Romans 12? For through the grace given unto me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself, more highly than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. He goes on to say, if you lead, lead with zeal. All right. So let's go back to, to the point here. Unconcerned with godly with worldly strategies. Unconcerned with worldly strategies for success and for leadership. Last, I think, a couple of podcast ago we talked about success you can go back and listen to it but um but 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 i think there has to be a humility and a gracefulness to godly leadership that is unique to the people of god i do believe that sometimes it grieves me when i see it done better in people who don't follow the lord jesus christ than with people who do are you willing to pick up a towel to bend down and to wash someone's feet or are you too good for that now our response you might be listening to this podcast and you're like thank god i don't have the gift of leadership i'm off the hook on this one you know what god tells us for, regarding our leaders, Hebrews thirteen seventeen, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And, you know, we've gotten off the hook in 2015. We could have convinced ourselves that because some leaders are corrupt, that somehow this verse doesn't apply to us anymore. We Bible-believing Christians have somehow mentally checked off, like, man... I, I would have obeyed my leaders, but they're jerks, and they're, I know all the truth about them, and they're living for themselves, and they're all about materialism and celebra- celebrityism and whatever it is that now, you know, big church leaders are doing. And, and, and it's easy for us to just kind of excuse ourselves from Hebrews 13, 17. But you know what? God is worried about, God, let God worry about leaders and how they are managing themselves. I mean, in James, we're told that they are held, teachers and leaders are held to a higher standard, but, but, but ours is to obey our leaders and submit to them. And then, you know, if you are in an abusive leadership position, leave it. Pray about it. Seek the Lord and leave it. But as long as God hasn't released you from that, then have the willingness to say, God, and again, it goes back to this big idea that I gave you. Godly leadership excels under the leadership of God. If there is a leader who's under the leadership of God, pray for them. They keep watch over your souls as, to, as those who will give an account. Who do you think they're going to give an account to? To the Lord. So if they don't do it right every time, say you are in a church situation where your pastor is not doing things the way that you think they should be. Maybe you're hurt by your pastor. Commit it to the Lord. Let God deal with it. That pastor is going to have to give an account of it someday. And then it says, let them do this with, uh, let, go back, let me go back to Hebrews 13, 17 about obeying your leaders. Speaking, uh, oh, it's speaking about leaders now. He says, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So if you're not submissive to the leader and obeying your leader and, and, and your leader is given account of, of his leadership of the people, 
it's ultimately it's going to reflect on you as a follower. Let them do this with joy, not with grief, for this would be unprofitable with, for you. I don't want it, you know, my the way that I'm following my leaders, I don't want it to be unprofitable for me. So I want to, I want to do my part, which is to obey my leaders, to submit to them. Now, another way we get off the hook, and I'm going to wrap things up here in a minute, but another way is to say, well, I'm not part of any church structure right now. I don't really have any leaders. And by the way, leaders aren't just pastors. They can be your small group leader. They can be your um, community leaders. I don't know. There's so many, you know, obviously outside of the church, you have leadership structures as well. And, and there has to be a submission, which listen, if you are initially submitting to the Lord, it, there's a natural submission about your way. And, and, and I, th- I think that it has to distinguish us. There's a trustingness of understanding that God has put you where he has put you for a reason. Now, if you're a leader listening to this, if you have the gift of leadership, then it would behoove you and me to go back to the basics. And again, the big idea, leadership, to remember that leadership is a God-given gift and that godly leadership excels under the leadership of God. Are you following the leadership of God as a leader? Don't lead in a way that grieves your followers. There's nothing worse than that. I don't want to be that kind of leader that makes the people that God has put under my, you know, shepherding and stewardship. I don't want to to, to grieve them. And uh, and right now I'm in a phase where I'm kind of between leadership in that, and I don't really have a true following except through the blog and through the podcast. I have I have a few people God's put in my life that I'm helping disciple. I'm so grateful for that and. And, and I think the day will come when that might change or not, but, but I want to be faithful. I want to develop. I want to be a steward of the gift that God's given me. I want to grow in leadership. And above everything, I want to continue to be under that leadership of God no matter what. So if you're like me, let's do it. Let's pray and ask God to help us uh, to be the sort of leaders that will draw people to ourselves. No, not to ourselves, but to the Lord. Jesus Christ, who is our leader. Let us point to him, and as John said, that he would increase and that we would decrease. May that be our prayer and our hope. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you guys next week.